0: I'm Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. Thanks to you, who have told 10,000 friends and family members about the show. You don't need a SiriusXM subscription to get it, uh, which is very cool. Leaving a five-star review, hitting subscribe, all of that is very helpful. We're on Rumble now, so wherever is your favorite place to get your podcasts, I think you can get it pretty much at this point. Plus, my book, Breaking the News, is the perfect Christmas gift For everyone on your list, a big show today, we start with talking about China laughing off Joe Biden's hoax diplomatic boycott of the Beijing Olympics. The diplomatic boycott is not real because our diplomats are not invited, and this is all a big cop-out that serves to legitimize the genocidal Chinese communist regime. I get into all that. Plus, Vladimir Putin has some troop movements at the Ukraine border trying to reestablish the Soviet Union. Well, not if Joe Biden has anything to do with that. I break that down, plus, Joe Biden's bizarre policy of kind of okaying Russian pipelines, but not American pipelines. An advocate for illegal aliens is now set to lead Joe Biden's customs and border protection, which is insane. And he only got through by one single vote in the Senate. I share with you all the news there. And mass could be here forever, unless, of course, you're a Democrat politician, I explain in the monologue portion as well. Plus, Janet Yellen appears to be, the arch-globalist Janet Yellen appears to be at least a little bit uh, skeptical of the New World Order and a juicy smoulier trial update, all that to come. Our guest today is Dr. Congressman Greg Murphy, the only practicing doctor in the entire Congress, And always one of the more interesting guests that we have regularly on the broadcast. And we get into details about the threat social media poses to our health. And he explains how we're ignoring a resurgence in fentanyl deaths in the United States. Plus, we have a terrific caller of the day. All that ahead. But first, I do want to tell you about a really important sponsor to us. And that is American Hartford Gold. I'm sure I'm not the only one who's noticed that everything is getting expensive. We're in the biggest economic crisis since 2008, and the government is printing trillions and trillions of dollars. Consumer prices are the highest we've seen in 30 years. Inflation is certainly here to stay, and if the government continues its out-of-control printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. So, how do you protect your money, your retirement, your savings? Well, American Hartford Gold can show you how to hedge your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. They'll even help you move your existing IRA or 401k out of the volatile stock market and into a precious metals IRA. And they make it easy. They're the highest rated firm in the country with an A-plus from the Better Business Bureau, and they have thousands of satisfied clients. And if you call them right now, this is my favorite part. They will give you up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. So don't wait. Call them now. Call 866-670-7660. That's 866-670-7660. Or text Alex to 65532. 866-670-7660. Or text Alex to 65532 for American Hartford Gold. get into the news and I guess I will start with Janet Yellen waved the white flag on globalism as made in America companies are thriving in the supply chain crisis maybe we are selling it a little bit with this headline of Breitbart News John Binder wrote up but this is a compelling one and a rare thing of good news that I will start with but uh, Janet Yellen who's traditionally a globalist the U.S. Treasury Secretary um, is suggesting that it really did work out much better for Uh, The businesses that have relied on made in America products um, while we've had supply chain issues and she does think that this is a sign perhaps for a model in the future. She said certainly we want to work with other countries with our allies and partners to address supply chain uh, resilience on a collective basis. So I don't think that this is just about the United States making everything at home. But in some cases, that may be part of the answer, which is actually a huge thing for her to suggest that may be part of the answer is that we actually return to a a, a mode where we would make things ourselves. Um, and there is something not just in, in terms of national security and not just economic security, but I think there is something with a national character when you make things on your own That uh, has been completely lost, and I do think that if there are even globalists at this point entertaining, arch-globalists, if you will, uh, even entertaining that concept as part of the solution to what's going on in our country with our supply chain issues, then it is uh, a good thing. And I'll tell you, she is absolutely correct on this. There are just too many components in everything that we make that rely on something from overseas, particularly from China that it does feel like companies that really want to protect themselves and to preserve, if not encourage, American values, why wouldn't a component of it to be have as much or all of your supply chain go through the United States? Of course, that would be part of it. Um, the problem is is that how much adoption of that do you need on a corporate level for it to really make a big impact? And there's a report floating around the Internet that I've not dug into personally, so take this with a, with a grain of salt, but there's one that... Apple has just cut another massive deal worth you know, north of a quarter of a trillion dollars with the Chinese government. So that's America's biggest company, or one of them, second biggest, whatever it is at this point. And they make uh, products, and they rely on China to make the products. So they design them in Silicon Valley, and then they go to China, and they make them. And then uh, Apple gets rich, and then that money is used to fund things like American media companies. So, of course, you know, like Lorene Powell Jobs, Steve Jobs' widow, who, you know, then spends all the Apple money on uh, places like the Atlantic and on Axios and uh, on things like now this and the Courier Newsroom and all these left wing things. So, again, this is a a very early thing to point out, but it does. uh, I do like the idea that some people are at least thinking this way. But the question is, is it too late in some ways? Um, we'll be back to China in a moment, but the establishment media, and I guess uh, at Breitbart we had to dive in on this issue as well, um, was focused a lot on Biden's semi-tough talk against Vladimir Putin yesterday, suggesting that if he invades Ukraine again, then maybe we'll san- sanction the Nord Stream pipeline. Uh, and it's very interesting to note, and Joel Pollock has a piece to this effect, how it, during four years of Trump... Putin did not invade anything, really, of significance. No invasion of Ukraine uh, or really anything else. Uh, Another unsung thing of Trump's presidency that if he does choose to run again, he really should point this stuff out. I don't know if he will, which is, again, one of the frustrating things for me with Trump sometimes, that sometimes he didn't tout his biggest successes. And I've expressed this to people who are close to Trump, and they sometimes you know begrudgingly acknowledge that point. Um, but nothing. He didn't invade anything under Trump. Under Obama, Putin colonized Crimea. And under Bush, uh, 43, he invaded Georgia. And Trump gets in there and everyone says he's Putin's puppet. And then he was significantly tougher than the previous administrations, or at least he had better results, which is a part of why the Russian collusion hoax took place. Those of you who have really traced back the origins of it, part of the origins of it was specifically that Hillary Clinton knew it was a weak point on her resume. So they used classic projection and said, um, basically, I know you are, but what am I? Schoolyard tactic. So it was, I know you are, but what am I, Democrat strategy? Just say, Hillary's weak on Russia, so we'll just announce Trump's weak on Russia. And of course, it got a mind of its own from there. Um, But yeah, but after colonizing uh, places and invading places under the previous administrations, both Democrat, Republican. Putin basically thought maybe uh, Trump's just so crazy he might do something bad and kept himself, relatively speaking. Um, so Biden has announced that he is willing to be tougher on Putin than Obama was. And I do think that this is a bit of a distraction um, because... A lot of the media is starting to focus on how we are dignifying China by participating in the genocide games. A little bit of dog wagging here because you had Jake Sullivan coming out acting very tough. That uh, Joe's really tough on Putin, tougher than Trump, tougher than Obama, which is in a way kind of dangerous. And a lot of people point this out. I know Dr. Savage points this stuff out. The, The saber rattling against Russia is not really a great move. Because, you know, Russia is very powerful militarily relative to much of the world, just about all of the world. So just because we want to manipulate a news cycle in the United States, I don't know if Russia is the right country to be saber rattling against. Uh, Yet yeah, that is what uh Biden appears to be doing because the news cycle over the genocide games is not great for him, I don't think. China has laughed off the hoax diplomatic boycott. Breitbart is the only place in uh, American media that is pointing out that the diplomatic boycott that Joe is engaging in is a hoax. And if we're not the only place, by all means, come join us. But uh, we're the only place I've seen. It is not real. There is no such thing as a diplomatic boycott. It is not real. As I said in the show yesterday, if you send all of your athletes and you don't send Jerry Nadler, that is not a boycott for a Olympic Games. And what's more, we're not invited. So it is a a, this is a direct quote from the China's top English language propagandist said yesterday, you are not invited. That is a direct quote. So that is the way. So China is just just mocking us as they so often do. They've got Biden's number in a major way. Never invited, I think, is actually the more accurate quote. Chen Weiwa, a notoriously misogynistic editor with the state-run China Daily, Francis Martel writes for us, repeatedly responded to news of the diplomatic quote-unquote boycott by stating you're not invited, you're not invited and not welcome Mr. Biden, Chen wrote. Hope you will live long enough to see China boycotting Los Angeles summer games in 2028. Whoa! China threatening a boycott of the Olympics in the United States in eight years. Pretty Cool. And will our media acknowledge that stuff? No, because they'd much rather talk about that Biden's tough on Russia, much tougher than Trump, who is very effective against Russia, obviously. And sadly, much of the world joins in on it. Um, Even uh, Jair Bolsonaro, who who talked a big game against China, Brazil president, uh, been silent on the genocide games. And Reza Martel goes through his record, unfortunately, and he has cozied up to China a lot. I know there's a disappointment to some of you. Uh, but that is real. That's the reality. She did a big piece on that, which is really interesting to read. Um, and then you've got other countries that are basically doing the same approach, taking the same approach that they are going to do a diplomatic boycott, but they're not thus far boycotting with athletes, prominent countries. And the most the silliest one is Australia is going to play in the Olympics, but they're doing a diplomatic boycott over coronavirus. So not genocide. The genocide is not is not the issue. They they just don't want people to get sick. It's about containing coronavirus. It's not even about like holding China accountable. So they just want want containment. That we're an increasingly morally relative world, I have to say. And Americans have not been a lot better here. Mitt Romney fell for the hoax. We have a clip of this. Mr. Paul, let us play 1A on MSNBC, where Mitt Romney is. Applauded, treated like a king, after they, of course, were savaged him when he ran for president. 1A, go ahead.
1: Well, I applaud the decision to say that our diplomats are not going to be going to Beijing, uh, given the outrages and the predation coming from the Chinese Communist Party. That's the right step. I understand people who feel that we shouldn't send our athlete, athletes either. Uh, that happened during the Jimmy Carter years uh, against Russia. But um, these athletes have trained their entire lives. Do prepare for the games at this time, and I don't feel that the burden of our international policies should fall on the shoulders of these young people. So let's make our statement loud and clear through not sending diplomats to Beijing.
0: Loud and clear by sending all the athletes, sending NBC's news trucks. So Comcast Universal, which opened up a theme park in China during the middle of the pandemic so they can make some more money off of Communist China. That's a loud and clear signal, Mitt. What a disgrace! Almost more important, almost more disgraceful than Biden, you got to say, for falling for the hoax. Is he a dummy? He didn't seem dumb. It's a very dumb statement that we're going to not hold China accountable for the coronavirus. We're not going to hold China accountable for genocide, for racism, for being the least having the least free press, and for being totally savage to the United States in their language towards us, their rhetoric. None of that matters. The only thing that matters is it would be a bummer for the sports ball players. And it would be a bummer for the sports ball players. A huge bummer. And as a former sports ball player, I can't imagine how devastating that would be, but it's the right thing to do. And morality is more important than sports ball. Not sure where that got lost on Mitt. Sadly, Ted Cruz, not much better. 2A.
1: I think everything we can do to shine a light on the atrocities of China, on the murder, on the torture, on the genocide, on the concentration camps, I think everything we can do is good and positive. And so I I agree with the diplomatic boycott. It's something I've called for a long time. Uh, I don't agree with what some people are calling for, which is a boycott of our athletes, which is stopping our athletes from going to the Olympics. I, I think that would be a mistake. I understand the sentiment behind it, but, but it was the same sentiment that led Jimmy Carter to do that in, in 1980, and, and I think it didn't work then. Uh, I don't think it's fair to punish our athletes. I think there are young men and young women who have spent years, decades, practicing and getting ready for the Olympics, and, and I don't think it's fair to make them the victims. And And so I would not keep our athletes home, and I wouldn't make them the the, 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 the scapegoats, but what I would do is I'd do more than just a diplomatic
0: uh, boycott. So he says everything we can do to stand up to the murder, torture, and genocide, aside from, you know, actually boycotting. I, I I'm, I, It's morally confused. It's a morally confused statement. We do everything we can do short of keeping the sports ball players from playing sports ball in China, treating China like it's the center of the universe for, you know, six weeks, whatever it is. Where did we get this way? When did it become that sports ball was more important than morality in the United States of America? Was there a moment where it tipped over and this was the thing that we started, you know, aggrandizing sports more than morality? And I love sports. I love athletics. My hobby, my free time is I play golf. It's which is an Olympic sport, by the way. Now, I wanted to be a pro baseball player when I was growing up. I totally relate to that mentality of the athlete. The issue is why is. It incumbent upon America to preserve the athletes over the dignity of our country and the morality of our country relative to genocidal, homicidal, torturous China? Why is it, by the way, that we can't just encourage these international bodies with our unending clout to suggest that we should not be doing Olympic Games in places that, I don't know, discriminate against black people and women and torture Muslims? We don't have that type of poll, the United States of America. Very disappointing with uh, Ted Cruz there. I don't get it. Well, how how does he not see that so clearly? How can he how can he miss that? Bob Costas, who is a longtime NBC sports personality and not a man of the right by any means, obviously lives in establishment. The ultimate establishment media sports journalist noted that the Kaepernick and LeBron James are conspicuously mum on China and their abuses, even though. They're very outspoken about America's abuses. This is my point about how we're losing the plot here with the athletes. They're very quick to criticize the United States of America, which has given them everything. And they will not criticize China because they know that criticizing China means they will lose out on that money. You can criticize America and not lose out on money. And that's the thing with Mitt Romney and Ted Cruz trying to split the baby morally here is that you're actually propping up this this. Um, system that we have in place where you're allowed to criticize America but you're not allowed to criticize China which is only going to get worse from here more sports ball absurdity Canada has banned unvaccinated players from the NBA Uh, this is the latest in a list I'm about to go through of how my theory that Nolte and I have been advancing that the people selling the vaccines to you are the most dishonest and the most anti-science people imaginable uh, which is creating vaccine hesitancy if the vaccine is so good, then why do vaccinated sports ball players, why do they have to care where these, if other players are vaccinated or not? So I'm pro-vaccine, as you guys know, and I think it was missold to the public as something that would stop the virus. It hasn't, but it is severely reduced symptoms. All the evidence is in suggesting that's the case. You're less likely to be in a ventilator or die if you've gotten the shots. I'm not saying there aren't other considerations. There are. And we could go through all of them and we will not spend a ton of time on it because I've made these points a thousand times. But why does anyone care if 28-year-olds in peak physical form have the vaccine? Who cares? And Canada literally will not let you in the country if you're an NBA player who's going to make money and bring uh, countless dollars of economic freedom into their country when they play NBA games there, in Toronto specifically, banning players. This makes people who are unvaccinated not want to vaccinate when they hear that. Um, I will throw in one more piece of good news though. A federal judge blocked Biden's vaccine mandate for federal contractors, which is great. A a good development that some of the courts are stopping this stuff, and that is really great. A lawsuit was brought by Attorney General Alan Wilson and Governor Henry McMaster of South Carolina, along with Attorneys General of Georgia, Alabama, Idaho, Kansas, Utah, and West Virginia, and the governors of Georgia, Alabama, and Idaho, as well as other state entities. And uh, the case thus far has been successful. So we'll keep you updated on that full write-up at Breitbart if you want to Read it. But let me go on. 113 Los Angeles firefighters suspended without pay due to vaccine mandates. Does that help you? Does that make you want to get vaccinated more? That they're suggesting that this vaccine, even though a lot of people have already had the virus and perhaps have natural immunity uh, multiples times higher than the vaccine would provide for you, that you're not allowed to fight fires. You're not allowed to fight fires. Literally run to burning buildings to save human beings if you haven't got the shot. Think that makes people want to vaccinate? No, it makes people want to get out of crazy Los Angeles, which is what's happening. 82% of Democrats are willing to wear masks indoors at all times due to Omicron fears. We don't even know what Omicron is. This is from an Axios-Ipsos poll, funded by the great Lorene Powell Jobs, no doubt. The masks have not worked. The class masks don't work at all. If anything, the class masks might be driving us backwards, creating false sense of security, not to mention keeping us all bummed out perhaps keeping people from uh, engaging in behaviors that could help their health in other capacities. As we're seeing more evidence that people missing doctor visits, um, the, being too stressed out, had, making unhealthy lifestyle choices due to pandemic fear might be worse for them than actually you know, learning how to live in a world where the virus exists which in retrospect was probably always the right approach to learn to live with the virus instead of try to uh, do this impossible task of shutting it down, which Biden said we'd shut it down. Another thing that's unforgivable that he said that the approach never should have been to shut down the virus. It should have been to learn to live with the virus. We know that now more than ever. But I'll tell you, the smart doctors who have been informing me from the very beginning were saying that within six weeks of this virus being out. And that's part of why, uh, you know, we've been so solid on the show and at Breitbart with the science. Is that I have been going with Fauci and Biden's talking points. I've been going with what people who are actually on the front lines are telling me. And they were saying that the math looks like we're going to have to learn to live with this thing. Not we're going to be able to shut it down. That's a political talking point from Joe. But Anyway, 82% of Democrats want to wear the mask at all times due to Omicron, which we barely know anything about. And in the meantime, Democrat governor of Oregon, Kate Brown, spotted maskless as health officials draft more permanent mask rules. So they want to have masks basically forever in Oregon. They have the most extreme mask policies in the country and literally the most extreme. And they're thinking about whether or not it should be recommended to have guidance to wear masks uh, indoors forever. It's anti-science, and it makes you not want to get the jab. It makes you not want to do anything that the public health officials and the Democrat leadership does because they're not going with science. NEA board member suggests unvaccinated with religious exemptions deserve to die. Very important point, which backs up exactly what Nolte and I have been saying, is that the left is very comfortable with Trump supporters not getting vaccinated and dying. So now you got it. Um, the libs of TikTok account grabbed this one, which is one of the best accounts on Twitter. They found this one. Um, I think it was, is it a TikTok page, I guess? I think that's what it is. Um, Molly Page Mumau, Pennsylvania teacher, member of the Board of Directors of the NEA, appears to identify herself as an educator, wife, union advocate, semi-pro wine drinker, LGBTQ ally, and on Team Pfizer. Speaking of Team Pfizer, the FDA wants a federal judge to grant Pfizer until at least 2096 to release their full vaccine data. As a guy who specifically got the Pfizer vaccine because I buy the science, uh, their, their their business people are not making them look very good, I have to say. Data point after data point to suggest that's the case. The pro-sanctuary city individual is now going to lead Joe Biden's uh, Custom and Border Protection. So someone who likes sanctuary cities and offended them specifically in the instance of Kate Steinle, who brutally murdered... By an illegal alien. Um, or I guess uh, technically we have to say killing just in case. But it's the appears to be murdered by seven time felon, five time deported illegal alien Jose Garcia Zarate. Story we've covered about a thousand times at Breitbart. And those of you who think you should boycott the next election, guess how many votes? 50. 50 votes. 50 votes. And we get a guy who defended sanctuary cities even in the case of the five-time deported guy who killed Kate Steinle with illegal aliens crossing the country at a record rate or at least breaking some records. Uh, don't confuse Joe Biden's weak poll numbers and Kamala Harris's weak poll numbers as a sign that their administration is failing. The administration is succeeding in a lot of ways. The polls are not good for Joe. We report on all of them on Breitbart. But don't forget this. When you're putting guys in charge of custom and border protection who believe and sanctuaries for illegal aliens. Tucson, Arizona, Police Chief Chris Magnus confirmed Tuesday. 50 votes. All of you boycotted Georgia. Please remember you were misled badly, that that was the appropriate reaction. One vote could have stopped it. Democrats, again, never missing an opportunity to push for more illegal aliens. Ro Khanna in California saying we need work permits for illegal immigrants. Due to the supply chain shortages. So supply chain shortages mean we need more amnesty. So And people are feeling the pinch. 75% of small businesses are, are impacted by supply chain crisis. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez made the case that American workers rely on illegal aliens to survive. Thus, we need more amnesty. There's always an amnesty push going on. All right, a lot of grumpy news, so I will give some more good news. Uh, Soleil Morova, the commie from Cornell who was nominated to a top banking post for Biden, has officially been withdrawn. Um, We kind of already declared victory on this at Breitbart a little while back because um, it was clear she was not going to have the votes get confirmed, but she's been officially withdrawn. So congrats to all of you who told 10,000 friends and family members about the most radical appointment of the many radical appointments by Biden. But it just shows you the type of people who are getting through. A literal communist sympathizer, if not outright communist, um, would be in charge of a key currency position and is now gone. Um, One or two other quick ones. We have a lot of great coverage of Juicy Smoulier, his trial, which is getting increasingly absurd. Don Lemon allegedly sent Jussie Smollett texts informing him of a police investigation. So Don Lemon uh, letting his buddy Jussie know that the hate crime hoax was getting investigated. According to a Daily Mail report. And Juicy Smolier himself scolded a prosecutor for quoting his own N word text. So he was reading Juicy's text, which apparently had the N word in it, and Juicy was upset about that. He's really credible on this stuff, guys. <laughs> Did you know that there's a conservative advocacy and benefits organization with more than 2 million members and counting? That's AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. AMAC has become one of the most significant conservative organizations in the United States. Joining AMAC gives you access to money-saving benefits, cutting-edge news, and a magazine full of insightful takes on today's most important issues. But most importantly, AMAC is working tirelessly to preserve the freedom secured by our Constitution. With a full presence on Capitol Hill, AMAC is pushing back against the efforts to defund our police, weaken our borders, and replace your freedom with government controls. See in with me and over 2 million patriots by joining right now at amac.us forward slash Breitbart. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Breitbart. The benefits are great, but the cause is greater. So join AMAC today at amac.us forward forward slash Breitbart. Congressman Greg Murphy from North Carolina is one of the more thoughtful members of our Congress, an actual practicing doctor and someone who I gleaned a lot of insight in the coronavirus from uh, during the last year and a half, but he's also pretty sharp a number of other topics, and we don't always agree 100% of the time, but certainly one of the people who has a compelling voice that we enjoy highlighting on the broadcast, and we get into a wide variety of topics in this interview, from fentanyl to social media to the coronavirus to whether or not we should be boycotting the Chinese Beijing Communist Genocide Olympics, and all that is right now. Let's roll it congressman uh, there's a hearing today in the uh, one of the Senate committees I uh, forgive me for forgetting which one uh, with the head of Instagram about how Instagram's having deleterious effect on mental health of, uh, of particularly teens and particularly teen girls but I really think it's a lot of a lot of us are, are we having our brains rewired by social media we're getting programmed to think life is supposed to be a certain way which it is not um, I Try to avoid social media side for work purposes. Uh, me saying that does not help my business to note that that is my personal viewpoint on it. Um, But I think when the dust settles on this, we're going to see that, particularly for younger people, that at this particular moment, the year 2021, social media is a much bigger threat to the health of young people than, I don't know, let's say the Omicron variant of the coronavirus. Uh, Yet that seems like something that is almost like a cancelable statement for me to say that. Maybe some Soros-funded individual writes something negative about me uh, that I've said that. Uh, You're a practicing medical doctor, among other things, and a congressman. I uh, evaluate what I just said and give me some thoughts on that,
2: Alex, in my opinion, in so many different spheres as a physician, as a father, um, as everything else, I think social media has literally been the poison of our younger generation. And I really I, and I don't mean that being um, using hyperbole. I truly believe it has, because now if a, if a kid does not have a phone attached to them, they have a detachment disorder. And I, I, I'm not kidding. Um, it always has to be there. It always has to be readily available. When you and I were growing up, if we didn't know something, we had to go down to the library, look it up, spend it. now you can Google it and have the information in 30 seconds. So it is, a, it is a generation of instant gratification. But what it's also done is create a generation where life is essentially an avatar. Um, you have life that's on a screen. Um, you're on TikTok or you're on Instagram, and that's where life is. And you, you get your self-worth from those relationships a one-sided uh, situation. And so it's criminal. The bullying that goes on, the body shaming, the everything else that goes on, it is criminal. And, um, you know, while these phones have been one of uh, humans' greatest inventions, I believe they've all... One of the worst inventions for the psychology, the companionship, the ability to talk, the ability to think for all of humankind, especially our younger generation.
0: Yeah, I think this is a major thing, and I hope that there is – I don't know what it's going to take for people to start wisening up uh, to this, but uh, we have spent all of our time talking about coronavirus, and this has been one of the things that I know you and I have spoken about over the last year and a half, on and off is that one of the threats of the coronavirus is not the coronavirus itself, it's that we are getting distracted from other potential health issues, whether it be unhealthy behaviors, mental health behaviors. And and today I want to bring up, uh, or at least I'm going to start with fentanyl, uh, where there's been a, it seems like this is on the rise again, a growing problem in the center of our country, and a lot of it has to do with us having our focus, uh, I think, uh, directed at things that don't need quite so much focus, and, of course, we have an open border, and we keep appointing people and confirming people who believe in an open border. We just had another one get Senate confirmed. The CBP uh, head will now be someone who is openly pro-sanctuary city. Uh, th- this is something that is, again, medically speaking, dangerous.
2: It's horrible, Alex. You know, when I was in the state legislature, my first foray into politics about, I guess, about 60 years ago, I didn't quite understand why God put me there, but he he did because uh, to work on the fentanyl and the opioid epidemic. And I did a lot of work there, really worked hard. I was the only physician in the General Assembly. And I believe we put forth really good legislation. You know, since the uh, late 90s, the number of overdose deaths had continued to climb year after year after year. And we finally, and I think this was also a national effort, made a difference. And we cut down for the first time in, you know, 20 plus years, decreased the number of overdose deaths. Now, Given the fact our southern border we are, is not controlled by the United States of America, it's controlled by Mexican drug cartels, we're now experiencing a massive um, increase in the number of overdoses. And actually, for the first time, there were 100,000 people that overdosed and died, uh, two-thirds of which were, were from this illicit fentanyl um, in a 12 period. And here, here's the rub on this um, Alex, is that we see, you know, we see the hundreds of people, the thousands of people that are just coming across the border. We know that our drug uh, interdiction folks have seized record, uh, record amounts of fentanyl at the border. And the liberals say, see, see, we're seizing all this. Well, let's put it this way: businesses don't stay in business to operate at a deficit. And so, drug cartels would not be working if they, all of a sudden they lost all of their product. So, what we do know is that the price of fentanyl, it's simple supply and demand, the price of fentanyl has dropped 50% on the streets, about 50%, so you know it is cheap, you know there's abundant supply, and, uh, and this is what has resulted in these new, now record numbers of overdose deaths. And sadly enough, you know, you're, now I'm reading story after story after story of somebody that's taking one pill, thinking it's that, but it's laced with fentanyl and they're dead. And so this, in my opinion, is the Biden administration should be charged with murder. I mean flat out this wow. their policies have resulted in it, think about it their policies have resulted in record numbers of individuals dying in this country. The fentanyl is largely made in Afghanistan but comes through our uh, our southern border and we don't have control of our border because of the policies that they've done. And we have now led led to uh, record numbers of Americans dying. I believe that's murder. I believe it's complicit murder. And our drug uh, czar, or rather our border czar, is MIA. Biden is just turning his head thinking it will go away. Things Don't go away because you created the disaster and they need to stop it.
0: Sadly, I have a more cynical view than that, Congressman. I don't think that he wants it to go away. I think that if he wanted it to go away, then we would see a much more quick implementation of Remain in Mexico, the Northern Triangle agreements, not uh, supporting a pro-amnesty Captain officials and uh, trying to fund a policy that and not, not even just fund a policy, but even communicating to the world that we take our border seriously and we take illegal immigration and not to mention regular immigration, but illegal immigration as a serious issue. We're getting the exact opposite. We're getting um, a message from the Washington establishment, particularly the Democrat Party that it is illegal aliens are the best types of Americans. And it is when that's the mentality, of course, there's going to be ancillary um, benefits to the drug traders.
2: Without a doubt. And, you know, here we are. The Biden administration has prioritized those that want to come in the country illegally. And, yes, you know, Alex, I've worked for 35 years in poor countries trying to do medical mission work. And I understand the desperate situations that many of the people in the world have. I truly, truly understand them. I've seen them. I've been there. I've worked there. But, you know, you can't simply take everybody into the United States of America. And the fact that the Biden administration is prioritizing the lives of individuals who are not United States citizens over the fact that we have uh, over American citizens is, is in my opinion, indictable. I mean, this is just uh, it's unconscionable when you just simply cannot get crazier. Wake up another day in the Biden administration. And again, it's just stuff put on the teleprompter. He has no idea what he's doing. Um, It's stuff that uh, the behind the scenes people are putting up on the teleprompter, you know, as was evidenced by the fact we're not going to leave anybody behind or, um, you know, the bill, the bill back bankrupt bill is uh, uh, not going to cost anything or the fact that we're not going to pay $450,000 to folks that came in here illegally broke the law and then got separated from the family right. um, but you know, but he's, 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 here's
0: he's, the thing I want to go back Congressman I want to go back to your point about how uh, maybe this is something that that is uh, literally murder um, I've heard the same discussion of the way George Soros is funding these DA races which are basically make them automatic victories for uh, anti-law and order people on the left in our inner cities, which are seeing these massive crime waves. And I've heard people start speaking about that the same way, which is that if you're funding people who want to let a bunch of violent criminals out of prison and not hold them accountable, um, that's going to lead to more violence and and death. So why isn't that murder? And, and maybe that rhetoric, it sounds intense, but maybe it's time to start using it, Congressman.
2: Yeah, it, it is intense, Alex. It is. And I don't say that um, carelessly. I really don't. Um, But, you know, I've known nine young men, nine, nine young men that were in my kid's school and church and scouts who have died from overdose deaths. It is horrible. It is crippling. The family never recovers. Businesses, churches, communities never recover from this. And the fact that they are causing it angers me to the, the greatest extent. And I'm sure you can hear it in my voice. So it is murder. It is murder. They are complicit in the deaths of Americans because of their policies. And, you know, they did this in Afghanistan and uh, they're doing it on the streets now with crime that is uh, going through the roof. Um, you know, AOC has the, you know, the great, wonderful quote that she didn't really think the crime wave was happening when it's going right no. in front of the film, right on the, right. in the film and on the, in the people of California. So, yeah, it's intense. It's very personal to me. Uh,
0: I'm, I'm glad that it is because we need more people being vocal about this, but what can we do? What are steps that can, can be taken to make progress in this regard?
2: Well, number one is you, you let the word out because, the you know, the media is not. Media is not talking about the overdose test, as you, as you pointed out. It's been quiet. Nobody said anything. And then second of all, you know, if, if the country can hang on until 2022 and then 2024 and vote this uh, this in, insanity out of office. But sadly enough, with executive orders, um, this is what they're doing it is literally destroying this country. Look, we saw the people vote against the uh, funding of our military yesterday and the squad voting against it was no surprise they're anti-american but the fact that this administration again cares more about people who are breaking the law and care more about people who are coming in the country illegally than their own cities is an indictable offense
0: you know one thing that's also what's also interesting to me and i agree with that um what's interesting to me is looking at this chart from the national safety council odds of dying Um, We're the leading cause causes of death in the country um, since I guess this is since 2015 data. So I guess uh, so. So coronavirus is not going to be in here. Um, But a heart attack is number one. Cancer is number two. But now we have uh, the uh, opioid overdoses, which is at number six, which is actually ahead of motor vehicle crashes. And I'll tell you. As a parent of young children, I just now see CARs as just these, you know, fire-breathing monsters that are there to try to eat my family. And I just uh, it, it live in constant fear of CARs. And uh, maybe the bigger concern mathematically is actually that one of your uh, your children, or maybe God forbid your children, but of course, you know, nephews and nieces and uncles and aunts, they, they get hooked on opioids and you're seeing one bad dose and that could be it. It's truly alarming and frightening, and clearly there's not enough awareness about this. And the root causes, which is, starts from an open border.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, without a doubt, without a doubt. And it is uh, it is something to be feared. I, I actually said this at the beginning of the pandemic also. I said I feared the number of overdose deaths were going to go up, because some of it had to do with the fact that we all got isolated. You got, you got quarantined in your house. You got kept away from your family, your friends, your church, community. And that leads to depression, and now so we know that very well, that that leads to substance abuse. And now with the ready availability of these uh, drugs on the market, this is what's leading to the deaths. It's You know, we, we go back and talk about the pandemic, as you and I have done very often. There's so many people that have died because of the results of what we did about the pandemic, rather than the pandemic itself, with suicides, sure. with mental health, with domestic violence. Um, it's tragic. And so, you know, yeah. this, is, this virus isn't going away. The border no. crisis is not going to be solved by this administration anytime no. soon. And so, um, again, I believe it's an indictable offense.
0: So, Congressman, I got about three or four minutes and I got about three more topics. So, I just want to get your quick take on a few things. Um, your reaction to the uh, Putin-Biden call where Biden seemed like he was somewhat threatening didn't really do much. And it seems like Putin's getting the AOK okay for the new pipeline. We can't drill here, though, in the United States. I mean, what, what was your main takeaway from what we've learned so far?
2: Well, again, he cares more about other things than he does the American citizens. I mean, the world knows he's weak. Putin knows he's weak. Um, the Chinese dictator knows he's weak. They're taking full advantage of this. And, um, you know, the fact that our military now cares, especially the head of our military, care more about your pronouns rather than military readiness. Um, they're going to kick people out because they haven't been vaccinated. Um, we, we, the, the world knows that we're weak. Right now, and they're taking full advantage of it, understandably, and the president, from the president on down.
0: Uh, next up, I want to ask you about the first responder frontline heroes who are now getting fired for not taking the vaccine. I know that um, this is not have to do with the science of the vaccine itself. It has to do with the freedom and logic issues here, in my opinion. But uh, what is your take?
2: I just think it's sad. You know, I've been very pro-vaccine, as I've talked to you many, many times before. But the fact that, again, we're underlying the, not only the, the national security of the country, but local security um, with people that are going out saving lives, nurses, doctors um, in, in hospitals um, for something that for the most part is, uh, is very treatable. Now we have much better therapeutics. And the fact that we're further weakening our ability to care for the sick of this country because of a law, because of a mandate, in my opinion, is not only counterintuitive, um, it's damaging to the health and welfare of this country. I, I just uh, I just don't get it.
0: Last question is there's a lot of debate going on on whether or not we should actually boycott the Beijing Olympics. Uh, Biden has declared that we're going to do a diplomatic boycott, which is, let's be frank, meaningless. Uh, do you think we should send athletes to Beijing for the uh, Olympic Games this year?
2: You know, Alex, I'm mixed on this because, uh, you know, I've been in athletics for a long time, never anywhere near Olympic uh Um, Level, But I know the heart and soul of these kids that work since they're three and four years old to be 18 or 25 that have just worked every um, to compete on the world stage. It's not their fault that this is in China. It's not their fault. And uh, I'm mixed on that. I I truly am. I know uh, the diplomatic signals it sends as a boycott. But who are we penalizing? We're not penalizing China. We're penalizing our own athletes. So I'm very, very mixed on what to do about that. Yeah, maybe the diplomatic thing is just a it's just a feather. Maybe that's the right thing to do. I just have a hard time um, hurting our own athletes um, because of China's bad behavior, which in the end is not going to change anything in China's bad behavior. All it's going to do is hurt our people.
0: I don't know. I don't know if I agree. I mean, maybe it will change their bad behavior because I do think there's so little awareness of how bad China is. And I think a, a statement like this could be very powerful.
2: Yeah, it might. It might. That's why I said I'm mixed on it. I, I, I really, um, I'm torn. I'm torn, or maybe that's a better word.
0: Well, Congressman, it's always great to speak with you, and I do have to go pay some bills, but at Rep Greg Murphy on Twitter, Congressman Greg Murphy, Republican from North Carolina. I always appreciate these talks, and uh, hopefully you'll come back soon.
2: Great. Take care, Alex. Have a great day.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, my viewpoint is pretty clear-cut on this one. If we participate in the Communist Party's Genocide Olympics, then it is the equivalent of the ultimate participation trophy. Uh, The only good reason not to take a firm, moral, and ethical stand on this one is to uh, protect the feelings and the hardship that it would cause for these athletes, and that is very unfortunate to me that that is the reality. We're in in between a rock and a hard place a little bit on that one, but I still think overall— Uh, there's no way we can legitimize the communist regime in this way. And hopefully more people come to that viewpoint as we get closer towards the games. Uh, anyway, we have a great caller of the day today. That caller is Tracy in New York, who, um, I has some great points about the deterioration of some of the areas that have been run by Democrats and have way too many handouts and do not have uh, the type of standards of excellence that I believe we have had in the past and she breaks down she breaks it down pretty well some solid insight let's hear it
3: you ask whether the Biden administration is succeeding and I say yes it is i work in construction i was in far rockaway queens which used to be a lovely lovely neighborhood it has now been ruined from president johnson's great society back in 19 19- 68 which put a bunch of projects down in what was a beautiful beachfront community. Anyway, many people I encountered were not working. They were high. I you smell reefer everywhere. People hmm. are like laying on the streets. There is filth everywhere. There is garbage. It is just disgusting. And no one is working. They're walking around in their masks collecting their government checks and not caring. It, they would vote for any any Democrat it Biden has succeeded because they're comfortably numb on you know big commie cash coming out of Washington and they have no incentive to work they have no incentive because Republicans will put them to work Democrats will let them lay around and get high or get drunk or whatever and it doesn't matter Biden has succeeded and that is so sad in my humble opinion
0: Tracy, I was reading a story based on some independent guy's analysis that I wasn't familiar with, but he was suggesting that basically if you're in San Francisco, then you need about $300,000 to kind of make make ends meet at a middle class level where you can have one or two kids with some child care, occasional date night, one car. You know, eighteen hundred square feet, not not a lavish living by any means, but that's what it takes to live in a place like San Francisco, a city that when I say San Francisco to most of this audience, they're thinking hell on earth. They're they're thinking zombies walking the street with needles sticking out of their arms, uh, with you know, filthy underwear, if you know what I mean. And this is apparently it takes, you know, going on half a million dollars a year to be able to have a good time living in the city. This is a country that is eroding. We're crumbling, Tracy. And only some conservative outlets are the only ones who are even considering whether or not this is happening before our eyes. It's you look at the filth and trash in New York, uh, look at the crime rate in LA, look at the homicides in Chicago. Uh, it's the in Philadelphia. These are massive, colossal problems that are not being addressed because why? We need to talk about solar panels. I mean, is is that it? Is that all we have as a a society now?
3: I concur with you. There are two New Yorks, and there are probably two San Francisco's, too. There's a very high-end living. You're riding around in a limo. And then there is the destitute and the low class, which are unfortunately living in places like Far Rockaway, Queens. And I'm not trying to you know, say that Far Rockway is a terrible place. It just is right now. It needs to be changed. But we've lost the middle class. I'm the dumb schmuck out there working for a living, being taxed to the max. Every day I show up for work, these people are not caring about work, and the people who have all the money... They don't care either because they're hedge fund people. They don't see it. They're in Manhattan. They're in some, you know, lovely area of Queens like Jamaica Estates or, you know, Snob Hill, I think they call it in San Francisco. The middle class is the place where we have to focus, where we have to rise, where we have to say no to Democrats and where Biden has to lose. And there has to be enough of us. And then we have to get to, you know, the voting, the cheap-by-mail and all of that that you talk about. But until we get our house in order, Biden's winning.
0: Yeah, and are we going to stand up or are we just going to retreat to our Netflix? That's the question, Tracy, and I appreciate it. Uh, that, I don't that have
3: Netflix, the... but I go to work every day. I got American Park.
0: Thanks to our producers, Paul D'Amelio and Greg Eben. Robert Marlowe helps me pick topics. And we really do appreciate all that you do to spread the good news about Breitbart, whether or not that's getting the Breitbart app, whether or not it's picking up a copy of Breaking the News, maybe for someone on your Christmas list, uh, whether or not it's leaving a five-star review for the new podcast. All the above are so helpful to us, and I couldn't be more grateful. And tomorrow, we'll see you for another edition of the Breitbart News Daily Podcast.